Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything between what should be a really good fight night here for the UFC when you're looking at Rob Font against Jose Aldo. The King of Rio is back. This should be a really good contest over the next hour. Nick Likas is going to join us in just a moment. Jordan Sherwood, Lou Finicaro, and Reed Kuhn will join us throughout this hour. But when you look at Jose Aldo, the amazing thing about the King of Rio is we just assume that he's got to be the old man in the octagon and it's got to be time to hang him up. And he's so old. He's 35 years young. So when you look at that, you, you, you know, well, Rob Font's got to be the young guy. He's 34 in this matchup. So it's always amazing to me the way we envision certain fighters that we assume they got to be past their peak. They got to be done. Jose Aldo, of course, maybe arguably the greatest featherweight champion of all time. Now down here at 135 pounds, even though he's advancing in age, his skill level is still right there. He is the small underdog at plus 130, and Rob Font right now is minus 150. So to break down these cards every which way to try to get you the best value for the next hour, let's bring in the man who sets those odds right here at Circus Sportsbook. He is Nick Kalikas, and Nick, it's great to have you back on First Strike. First of all, how was your Thanksgiving? We all awesome. had a week off to kind of take a breath from UFC. Yes, how sir. was your time away? It was fantastic. It's always good to get that little deep breath, right? I probably ate a little bit too much, which I shouldn't have, <laughs> but other than that, it was good. Thank you. Uh, and again, when you do have that week off, do you feel like that, that people that there was obviously no action to wager on, 
Do they come back with a ferocity here the week later going, man, we missed that action for a week? It does seem that way. A little bit of withdrawal, right? Especially if there's a couple weeks off in between. But yeah, even with a week, you feel that, that hunger to get back in and bet, especially with the fight game. You know, I mentioned this with, with Aldo here, and I see the number that you've got here, plus 125 right now. When you set those odds, did you see money come in on Aldo, the popular fighter, the, the former arguably greatest featherweight of all time? I was expecting it. So, again, it was another spot where I kind of undercut the market a little bit because I know that he's going to be the popular guy, like you said, the public guy that everybody recognizes in kind of a household name in comparison to Rob Font, right? Mm-hmm. And also, there's going to be some sharp money taking a bite at that dog price. So right. you have to kind of play defense a little bit on the Aldo side for sure. But we are going to see some balance here because some sharps are going to bite on the font side, obviously. So it's another spot where probably two-way sharp action is going to be across the board. And again, I know that's what you're looking for, that two-way action. Uh, have you seen, though, has there been one side so far? Do you think it's been more Aldo and you expect the buyback to come on font? Yes. So okay. far, it's been a little bit more towards Aldo. But it hasn't been anything significant. Like it's, So it's pretty close. We are getting two-way action steady right now. But a little bit more towards Aldo. You, you know, I've talked on, on pre- uh, previous fight cards here where it always feels like the old guy, whoever the old guy might be, that the general public's going to bet on the younger fighter here. When you have two guys, the theory is one guy's much older, but that's not, in fact, in fact, fact. It's amazing, right? If you look yeah. at it, like you said, 34, 35, but it is the fight years that come into play, though, right? So you can't always just go by the actual ages themselves. Aldo's obviously been in more wars, but Font's not a young gun either, no. like you said. I mean, he's been a veteran. Even before he got to the UFC, he's had a lot of fights in, you know, tough organizations as well. So both of them are kind of... Like, have that wear and tear on him, but Aldo a little bit more so. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, we're watching the weigh-ins here. We're going to have Lou Finicaro join us uh, later on as well. And Lou always watches those weigh-ins. And when I watched it, I saw a lot of mutual respect between these two guys. Look, look, when you're fighting Jose Aldo, uh, unless it's Conor McGregor, there's normally a lot of respect that has shown his way. I I don't know that that's reflected in the over-under, but four and a half. If you want to take the over that this is going to go the distance, my goodness. I mean, you're going to pay a price here, juiced heavily at minus 145, do we expect that feeling out process because it is Aldo? We just don't expect a firefight right away? Yeah, I think they're, yeah, obviously the market is saying, and I think it probably does hit the scorecards, but that round four and round five is kind of the sweet spot where we are going to see betters kind of fade that over a little bit and come in on the under. So I think it's set about right, but I think the line will drop as we get closer to fight day because of the action and anticipation of the font side maybe winning before it hits the scorecards, right? If you look at Aldo in the past against Jan, against Holloway, he's kind of folding those later rounds. So I think people are kind of assuming that's the case here with Font, but it's a different type of fight. Now, we're talking, of course, with Nick Galikas here, sets the lines here at Circus Sportsbook, but check him out on UFC On The Line and UFC Fight Pass. Excellent show you have going on there. Let's talk more about this card here. And uh, Rafael Faziv against Brad Riddell, quake back in the octagon here. And Riddell right now, this is almost a pick him here, small favorite for Faziv at minus 125, a plus 105 in the comeback right now for Riddell at 10-1 and one. In the UFC, are you seeing a lot of action so far in this fight? We are. This is one of the best fights on the card, yeah. man. I mean, I think a lot of fans are anticipating this as much as the main event, which is crazy, right? Because the true diehard fans know what kind of quality matchup this is. But the Zeev side is the popular, trendy side, and it's getting that action a little bit more so than Riddell. So, again, it, it almost feels like right now, if you like Fazeev, you might want to take him now because the, with the way you're seeing it, this number's probably going to go yeah, up. Yeah, it's rising. I wouldn't be surprised if it does close even higher than it is right now, but I think we will see that buyback once it hits a certain point, which is coming soon. It's not going to get too crazy. We will see some sharp action come in and hit Riddell's side. For and, sure. again, three-round fight here, so you see the over – uh, juiced really heavily over two and a half rounds here to minus 220 again. That's tough. Th- th- that is a tougher one, right? Because it feels like there might be a, a live play on that because somebody could go inside of three rounds or two and a half if you have this side. 
Absolutely. You have two elite level strikers. Right. So that's tough. I mean, they're durable. These guys definitely come to fight. They're prepared defensively. They're sound overall. So I think a lot of, again, the market is expecting it to hit the scorecards and be a really close, competitive, awesome fight. But like you said, the firepower on each side, man. Whew. And you got to think, Fazeev does tend to slow down. Every fight that we've seen, that round, the end of round two, round three, he starts to slow down a little bit. Riddell kind of increases his output at that time, too. So it's going to get interesting late. You know, it's interesting to me, too, Nick, when I see the way that you set the lines here. And obviously, with these first two fights, pretty close so far, right? When you're looking at Aldo and you're looking at Riddell here as the uh, small comebacks for the pl uh, plus money here. But what I'm noticing here is obviously, when you're going for the total rounds, you got to juice those things because it feels like when people get one side action, they just keep hammering that same side, especially when they see the the big number, uh, the the big uh, the, the volume for juice. They're not afraid to lay it. No, not really. And, and again, I think a lot of people kind of hop on board if they see the line kind of climbing a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Some people are not price conscious at all, so it doesn't. They see the steam coming that way. They're just going to jump on the steam anyway, right? Yeah. So yeah, and a, a little bit more. I think you have to respect the over and, and fights in general more so a little bit than the under at times because, again, these guys are warriors. They're at the top of the food chain. They're at the highest level competing. So they should be able to kind of survive each other, so to speak, right? So you got to kind of favor that over a little bit more and be more protective as a bookmaker on that over. Yeah, they're not in there to quit. Right. They're exactly. in there. They're, they uh, well literally, yes. that, that's exactly the way that they look at it as fighters. I, I would be out of there. I'd tap out instantly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Carpenter. Clay Guida is back in this one, plus 160 against uh, Leonardo Santos. Again, when you've got an, a more of a name fighter in Clay Guida, because he's been around the octagon, as we well know, 39 years of age, he's actually the younger fighter in this fight, and yet he's a pretty heavy underdog. Yeah, I mean, it's the skill set and the size. I mean, Santos is a big guy he in is. lightweight, right? Yeah. And Guida, first of all, hats off to Guida for sticking around so long. He's been in the UFC. He's been a mainstay for so long, and he's competed at the highest level. He's awesome. I love the guy. But he's up against it here a little bit because Santos does have the better striking, probably. I mean, Guida's striking is improving, and but he also has the better ground game. And again, that physical, the size of his, you know, his body and stature is going to probably play an effect as well. That's why you're seeing him a decent and again, the energy level that Clay Guida fights oh. with, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love Spark to have flight. that just in, in every walk of life. But it is interesting that, again, when we look at these first three fights, and we'll get to the fourth fight here in a second, I mean, these are not huge. Like, we've seen in the last couple of weeks a lot of, you know, minus 300s, minus 260s. These are as close, or at least on paper right now, the, the way you're seeing the wagering come in, it feels like it's pretty even across the board so far for the t first three fights. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we are seeing some sharper action. We just touched yep. on the Santos-Guida fight. They're not afraid to lay that chalk at minus 170, minus 180. So we are seeing the sharper side come in right now, at least, on the Santos side. But yeah, the other fights are more a, a lot more balanced. Again, Fiziv is getting a little bit more action, but it's nothing overwhelming yet for all three of those fights. And from top to bottom, there's 14 fights on this card. Right. And if you look at the lines, they're all fairly competitive. There's only one high spot on this card, so it's going to be great. It is amazing how deep this card is for you know non-pay-per-view Obviously, when we talked about having the week off, but boy, they come back with a vengeance with a really deep fight card. Let's get to Jimmy Crute here, and I don't know if you bet against a guy with a mullet. He, he's <laughs> rocking that thing here uh, on the weigh-ins today on a Friday against Jamal Hill here. Hill right now uh, getting the, the plus money, plus 150 on the comeback, minus 170 for Crute. Obviously, these are big boys going up to 205, the light heavies here. What do you make of this number so far and what you've seen for action-wise? This is tricky. Well, the early action and some sharp action came in on Crute right away, right? The narrative in this fight is obviously Crute has an advantage on the ground. I mean, especially after their last fight. If, if you look at how Hill lost that fight, a lot of people are kind of scratching their head a little mm -hmm. bit. So the confidence level of Hill kind of dropped. Sharp action took the line up on Crute. Now we're seeing sharp action come back in on the Hill side as wow. well because if he can keep this fight standing – 
He's got a path to victory, obviously, as well. So it's whoever can implement their game plan, and the action is kind of dictating that as well because you're seeing support on the crude side. Now you're seeing support back on the hill side. And for a three-round fight here, when you look at the total rounds, that's as even as it gets right now, minus 110 here for, for a round and a half. Have you seen any action either way there? Yeah, I mean, there's two-way action there as well. I mean, we're going to see some over one-and-a-half rounds for the people that think, again, they're quality competitors. They should be able to kind of go over that seven-and-a-half-minute mark. But with the firepower they have, there's going to be a lot of betters wanting to take the under because, again, Crew gets it down to the ground, a good chance of a finish. If he doesn't, there's a good chance of a finish on the feet as well. So this is going to be an awesome fight. All right, a couple minutes left here at Nick Kalikas. Let's talk about the biggest favorite we've got on the board here, at least for the main card. That's Brendan Allen, minus 365 right now against Chris Curtis. Uh, the comeback there at plus 280. Are you getting any action on the underdog here? Or has this been all one-way one track? I'm, I play a little defense on the underdog, yep. honestly, so I'm a little bit lower market-wide because I think the sharper action is going to hit the dog. The, the price is a little bit too high, in my opinion. I understand that Allen has been great. His stand-up is even improving, and he's a ground fighter. So he's a tough out. But Curtis, man, I mean, he's he's one of these guys, again, that outside of the UFC has been around for a long time. He keeps on improving his game. He's got that knockout power. He proves it time and time again, and his takedown defense keeps on improving. So that's why I'm playing a little bit more defense on the dog side here. Uh, but again, I don't think we're seeing overwhelming action hit that favor side either. We're low, and a lot of people aren't biting on it yet. So I think the line will drop, if anything. You know, I always like to ask my producer, Britton Hess, before we start these shows, I go, what fighter are you really intrigued by? And he said Mickey Gall. And there's a name that, that a lot of fight fans obviously know right now, but he's a rather uh, sizable underdog here going up against Alex Morono. What do you make of this contest, and have you seen money come in on Gall? Yeah, we're going to see more money coming on Gall. But again, another spot where we are getting a little bit of two-way, but more action on Murano, actually. So really? right now we need Gall to win this fight. Such an intriguing matchup. Gall has an outstanding ground game. We know that. I mean, he's a special elite fighter on the ground. Murano, a lot of people are giving him a ton of respect, right? But he does have some issues, and that is getting put on his back. Yes. So if Gall gets him down, he's gonna Murano's going to have some problems. But on the feet, obviously, again, Murano has the advantage, and he's been in there some great competition, picking up some solid quality wins as of late, and he seems to be improving. So this is an intriguing fight. All right, we only have about 20 seconds left. Anything in the prelim card that you really like? Um, I think, again, from top to bottom, it's everything's intriguing. Everything's close and competitive. I was disappointed Mirzakunov and uh, um, uh, Vandera got canceled. Yeah. That heavyweight fight would have been a barn burner as well. But, no, I'm looking forward to this entire card. Nick, always appreciate the time and the information. Again, check him out at UFC On The Line on UFC Fight Pass. When we come back, Jordan Sherwood joins us right here. It is First Strike on VEASAN, the sports betting Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough 
introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Back here on First Strike on Visa, and I'm your host, Dave Ross, and as we are talking all things UFC fight night, should be a really good one between Joe Seata, the King of Rio, against Rob Font. Let's bring in Jordan Sherwood right now from ESPN Chicago. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Woodon1063. So, Jordan, let's get right to the main event here. You know, it's funny, I was just talking with Nick Kalikas here at Circa, and we just assume that, you know, Jose Aldo, he's an old guy like me, he's only 35. And Rob Font is 34. How do you take that into account when we've got a guy, a name fighter, you know, maybe arguably the, the greatest featherweight of all time? When you handicap this fight, does all the, the prior wear and tear, does that factor into this fight uh, decision for you? I mean, it, it does normally when you're looking at a fight like this, but Jose Aldo, you know, ha- has kept up the championship level pedigree that he set for himself when he was dominating the WEC and then came over. Uh, as, you know, probably the greatest featherweight that we've ever seen. And, you know, we all thought that when he made the jump in weight or when he changed weight classes, he was naturally going to go up to lightweight. But he, he makes the you know weight cut down now to bantamweight and has looked solid, uh, albeit, you know, he's three and three in his last six fights. He's been finished in a couple of them, but they're against the best of the best. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of wear and tear. And quite frankly, Rob Font is the type of guys that he is continuing to beat no matter at featherweight or at bantamweight. So that's why I think a lot of people still believe the wear and tear does not matter. The age does not matter because Jose Aldo has looked brilliant, even though he's lost the last few. Yeah, no question about it. The Peter Yan fight's the one that sticks out to me. I mean, it was a really hotly contested fight there. And Peter Yan, I think a lot of people view him as the best in the business in that weight class. No disrespect to Aljamain Sterling, that's for sure. But to your point, he's been in there with some of the very best and he is not back down at all. When you see four and a half, juice to the over that people are expecting this fight to go uh, at least, you know, well into the fifth round here, if not the distance, is that the way the fight script that you see playing out as well? I do. And, and, and the reason being is because I'm leaning Rob Font in this fight. I think that the size, his boxing, and he's on the rise up. I think that, that Rob Font's going to be fighting for a championship at some point in the next year or so. So that's why, but I don't think he finishes him. I think that it's going to be a, 
a kickboxing boxing match on the feet. Jose Aldo will start strong, but I'm going to lean on the size. I'm going to lean on the pressure fighting of Rob Font and the cardio of Rob Font to be the deciding factor. He gets his hand raised on Saturday night, but it's because of that, and I also like the over. So him by decision may be a prop that you look at as well for Rob Font. Yeah, that would be plus 180 right there if you like to go Jordan's uh, logic with that one. Hard to argue with it, taking Rob Font and going the distance at plus 180. Okay, let's talk about Brendan Allen. He's the biggest favorite here on the main card. Uh, minus 365 against Chris Curtis. Is there any value in your opinion here, Jordan, on the dog? Well, I mean, I guess you got to argue that because he was a huge dog his last time out against Phil Hawes, was losing that fight, and then he lands a bomb and <laughs> finishes the fight and, and look and gets rewarded. I mean, the guy's a great, it's a great story. He worked so hard to get to the UFC and he takes advantage of a short notice. Another short notice fight, but this is a bad recipe. Brendan Allen is coming to his own. He's a very well-versed, well-rounded fighter, Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace on the ground, coming to his own on his feet. He's a tough guy to put out, and albeit he did lose, uh, what, two fights ago against Sean Strickland at a catchweight fight. Don't think that's going to be the case this one, but I do think there's a finish. I think either Curtis is going to land another bomb and absolutely obliterate Allen, or what I think is the likely scenario is Allen overwhelms him at some point midway through the first round, into the second round, and we get a finish either way. I like the under in this fight at one and a half. I'm definitely playing Allen, but he'll be a part of any parlay that I look at because there's way too much to lie down at 365 when you look at what Chris Curtis did his last time against Phil Haas. I love the rationale there, trying to find that value and take the under in a round and a half there. You get much better odds, obviously, than backing the big favorite here at Allen, minus 365. I'm always intrigued when I see the Carpenter get back in there and do his work, and he's not getting any younger, but yet he's actually the younger fighter against Santos in this one. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, and look, no, bias aside, because it's the Carpenter. You know, he's from Illinois, so, you know, that's where I am right now. He's a big Chicago guy, but look, I mean, yeah, he doesn't seem to lose the pace. Uh, Look, he's and you know what he's going to do. He's going to try and land an overhand right. He's going to go for a double leg and try and outwork Leonardo Santos. And Leonardo Santos is an interesting case. I mean, this is a guy that is is inconsistent as they come. One fight in 2014, one fight in 2015, or excuse me, two. One fight in 2016, then didn't fight till 2019. One fight in 2020. He just hasn't put the consistency together. And at times, he's shown an inability to fight strong for three rounds. Cardio's a struggle. Look, he could land something big. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. The lead has been submitted before countless times throughout his uh, UFC and mixed martial arts career. But I'm going to lean the dog. I'm going to lean that Guida doesn't put himself in danger. He fights at a pace, in and out, maybe gets a takedown, and is going to win And the judges' scorecards. I think he looked good his last fight, even though it was a split decision loss to Marco Madsen. I handicapped him to win the fight. I thought he did win the fight. But uh, the judges saw it another way, split decision victory for uh, the former Olympic wrestler. So I'll, I'll take Guida. Uh, uh, as the dog in this fight, I think he outworks Leonardo Santos. Maybe a, a similar kind of uh, you know way to path to victory as I like Rob Font to beat Jose Aldo the same with Clay Guida over Leonardo Santos. Yeah, th- that's the way that I would see it. If if Guida's gonna the pathway to victory there is he's got to get the double legs right because the height advantage that Santos has on him right. We got to expect that Clay Guida does what he normally does, which is keep shooting those double legs and try to take this fight down to the ground. Yeah, I, I think so, but I, I think do it a number of times because he, once he's on the ground, 
he kind of wants to get back up because Leonardo Santos could slap on an arm bar or slap on a, you know, a rear naked choke and, and, and tap Clay Guida out. So I think he's just going to have to outwork him. He's going to have to make it a dirty fight, push him up against the cage, do some dirty boxing, uh, you know, like slap him around a little bit like his brother does before the fight. I mean, that's, that's the path to victory. It's going to have to be an ugly fight for Clay Guida to win this fight, but I think he could do it. And again, Santos has faded. He has faded in multiple times throughout his mixed martial arts career, and Guida doesn't. He's the energizer bunny. So that's why I think I like the value as the underdog for Clay Guida. All right, talking with Jordan Sherwood, ESPN Chicago. Follow him again on Twitter, as I do at Wood on 1063. Boy, when you look at Lee Smoka in, in one of the earlier fights here on the prelim card against Vince Morales, this should be a very intriguing fight. You know, we've been off for a week. There was no fights last week. Boy, you start off with this one. It should be a very interesting contest. How do you handicap this one? I love this fight, and and it's and I because I love Luis Smoka, the last samurai. I mean, how could you not love a guy that calls himself the last samurai? And remember, this is a guy that's supposed to fight Sugar Sean O'Malley. So the UFC likes his style because he gets in your face, he takes a lot of punches, he can look for submissions, look for strikes, fights at a, at a very high pace. The issue with him is he's been caught. He's been caught with better grapplers. He's been, you know, he's he's taken a big punch before and then gets submitted. And if Morales lands that dynamite of a right hand, he's going to be in it for a world of hurt. But I think again, there, you know, Smoke is going to offer too much. He's going to be well versed, whether it be the submission game or in the striking, because he fights at a pace as well. But I'm not. I guess I'm going to pick Luis Smoke to win the fight. But my play is the under. Mm. I think there's a finish in this fight. I think it's either going to be a submission victory for Luis Smoka or a knockout for Morales. I like that plus money there on the under. But the fact checkers, Jordan, did get in my ear and say that, in fact, Tom Cruise is still the last samurai. Just just thought you should know that. Okay, let's talk about Jimmy Crude here against Jamal Hill. And uh, I no, think no, you... that, 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 you're, 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 what, no, no, your fact checkers got to get it right. Your fact checkers got to get it right because, yes, the last samurai, but this is da d a oh, last da. samurai, not the t h e. So let's get it right, guys. You got but it right. Tom Cruise is still the last samurai, here, but fine. we have da last samurai. Okay, I know that you you see a pathway to victory here uh, for Jimmy Crute uh, against uh, Jamal Hill, and what is that pathway? Don't get in a firefight. Just <laughs> just don't get in a firefight. Be who you are. You know, be the be the prospect that we all thought you can be and, and maybe the future title contender out of New Zealand. And that's what Jimmy Crute is. I mean, Jam- Jamal Hill is going to be an issue. I mean, he's got long limbs. He's a, you know, an unorthodox striker, but if you get, if you, if, if you get him to the ground, which we saw Paul Craig do and snap off his arm mm. the last time he was in the fight and get the win, I think Jimmy Crute can do the same. I think Jimmy Crute is better on the feet traditionally and certainly a better grappler, which is why I think Jimmy Crute lands something early gets Hill to the ground and submits him. So under and the submission prop or what I'm looking at for Jimmy Crute. I think he bounces back. He learned his lesson against Anthony Smith. His last time out comes out, gets the win. Looks impressive. Love that play. Plus 240. If that is in fact how that fight breaks down, good money there for Jimmy Crute. Okay. Uh, Alonzo Minifield is boy. He's a scary fighter. If you're in the other side of the octagon against him, uh, and against Knight in this one, again, you see a pathway here to victory that might be able to cash a little bit better than the normal side here. What do you like here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a finish for Minifield. I think it's a knockout. I think it goes back to the Minifield that kind of burst onto the scene. Not a guy that's going to wear himself out uh, like we saw in, in a couple of the blemishes that he suffered in his career. 
Knight's, you know, Knight's a tentative fighter. Middlefield's going to be able to land something big and, and finish him off in a round, round and a half. Okay, so there it is. A really good value there. If that does, in fact, happen via KO or TKO, that would be plus 200 for Alonzo Minifield. All right, Jordan, always appreciate the time and the information. Check him out on Twitter at Woodon1063. Coming on back right here in First Strike, Lou Finicaro's up next. Come on back. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Here on First Strike on Visa, I'm your host, Dave Ross, talking all things Rob Font against Jose Aldo. UFC Fight Night should be one heck of a card, a very deep card here as the UFC comes back after their Thanksgiving Day break. It is always great to have Lou Finicaro join the program right here at First Strike. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Gamblu. Got a great podcast, Bout Business Podcast. Lou, first of all, did you miss the UFC a week ago or did you, or did you have a nice family time and get to enjoy the holiday? I had nice family time and enjoyed the holiday, although I have to admit, Dave, there were a couple of instances there where I didn't know what to do with myself Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, when I'm often listening to a lot of fighter interviews. Yeah, I know. You didn't have anything to handicap, so we're back to business this week. Really should be a good card here, Lou. It's a very deep card here as they come back uh, after their Thanksgiving Day break. Let's go right to the top here with Jose Aldo against Rob Font. And you, you and I always talk about this a lot throughout these first strike shows. I always look at the age, and normally you, you, when you look at Jose Aldo, you go, oh, my goodness, this guy's so old. Well, he's only 35 when you say that because Rob Font is 34. So I know maybe the general public, they don't know Rob Font's history as well as you do, and certainly everybody knows the name of Jose Aldo. Does that play into the handicapping here when you see that, uh, that maybe Font isn't as big a favorite as maybe some think he should be? Well, I'm surprised, honestly, that he's as big a favorite as he is. Uh, when I do my handicapping, there's not enough age difference between the two to make a difference. And Aldo has recently only lost to Volkanowski, who's a champion at 145, and Peter Jan, who's a champion and a top-end champion at 135. His body of work and who Aldo has been in there with, to me, far exceeds the, the three last fights that Font has experienced Garbrandt, who's now fighting at 125, uh, Marlon Morris, who was washed when he got him, and Ricky Simone. So uh, to me, I think it's Font that has more work to do here. Aldo is the bigger, more structured man at 135. And I believe that Font better get off to a quick start here. Yes, we've seen Aldo slow a little bit in recent fights. But that's against Volkanovski and Peter Yan, two guys that put tremendous pressure on a fighter. Uh, this is going to be different because Font uses a jab and space, and that's Aldo's game. Uh, I lean heavily to uh, Aldo here. Uh, it's very interesting, Lou. And again, when you look at Jose Aldo, he does seem to be, if not getting better with age, at least to your point, he's in there with the very best in their weight classes and still holding his own, even if not winning those fights. Earlier in the show, when we had Nick Likas on, we were setting those odds, and you look at it, and you boy, it's juiced so heavily to the over at four and a half at minus one thirty-five. Do you expect this to go the distance here? Or do you think maybe there's a way that this fight gets stopped before that and get get that plus that plus money to possibly cash there? 
Yeah, as I was really struggling to find the way I wanted to approach this fight, it was between Aldo straight up or maybe Aldo inside the distance. I don't believe it goes all five rounds. It, either Aldo could tire at the end if Font can pressure him enough early, or I believe Aldo is structured thick and strong enough to perhaps submit or take Font out early, if, should that be the case. So I'll go against the grain there and say that something in the plus money, plus 110, plus 120 fight does not go the distance is rather where I would lean. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Jose Aldo, when he sees uh, blood in the water there like a shark, he will go after that finish. So if these guys get hurt with the stand-up game, look for somebody to try to make this a shorter night than I think most people might expect. Uh, you know, we talked earlier in the week, Lou, and we were talking about Brad Riddell against Rafael Fazeev in this one, and you saw the money moving here earlier in the week because I follow you on Twitter at Gamblu. Uh, what do you make of this matchup now, and how, how have you seen that those numbers change? And I wonder if it's to your advantage with the side that you might like here. Well, we released uh, Riddell on Point Spread Weekly early in the week at the price he's at now, plus 105. It's been bouncing around Pickham to Fiziev, a, a light favorite all week long. These guys are friends. They've worked out together in Phuket. Uh, when the fight was announced, Riddell called Fiziev to let him know, is this okay? Are you down with this? They both realized that it was going to happen eventually. They didn't think it would be this soon. The difference between these two fighters, in my opinion, is that Fiziev is a straight kickboxer and Riddell has wrestling chops. And for that reason, I lean to Riddell because he's the more well-rounded player and I believe he's not afraid to use the wrestling against Fazeev in order to steal a round or two in what I believe will be a decision fight and a very, very razor-close fight. And there you go. It is juice to the over if it does go uh, over two and a half rounds at minus 220. It's interesting you note that, Lou, that these guys are buddies, and I know you really watch the weigh-ins, and I was watching uh, a little bit before the show here today, and they were laughing, as you mentioned, good friends here. Does that affect your handicapping at all, knowing whether or not these guys like each other or whether they actually get along in our potentially former sparring partners? Normally, it doesn't mean anything. In this particular sense, however, Dave, it was Riddell, the striking coach at City Boxing, that was working at Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket that welcomed Fazeev there. Fazeev's two years the younger man. I sense a little big brother done with Riddell. That did have some... Uh, bearing on my position. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about another fight that I know you had circled earlier this week as well. When you look at Jimmy Crute taking on Jamal Hill here, uh, what do you make of this matchup, and have, have the numbers moved in a position that you like? No, they haven't. Er early in the week, again, uh, Jamal Hill was plus 165, and smart wagers started to catch on that that looked like a pretty attractive number in this mm -hmm. matchup. So I had to release that early. He's about plus 150 now. And I'm not so certain uh, that Crute doesn't have his hands completely full here. Crute is the more polished and refined mixed martial artist. Hill is really a street fighter that's got unbelievable athleticism, striking precision, and power but he's not a well-rounded mixed martial artist. And normally in a mixed martial artist against a brawler kind of a fight, I'm always with the mixed martial artist, except that Crute 
his mentality and his IQ sometimes leave him uh, exposed. And Crute's going to have to make this fight by trying to get inside on Hill. And that's Hill's game. Hill recently fought in Phoenix a few months ago uh, a guy named Craig who submitted him and dislocated his elbow. He did that because Hill was too willing to grapple with him on the floor and proved to him that he could grapple with him. Now, Hill on the bounce knows he's not a grappler. He's in with a grappler. I believe he's going to learn his lesson, maintain space, and try and catch Jimmy Crute coming in. I got a couple minutes left here with Lou Finnecaro. Again, follow him on Twitter as I do at Gamblu. Check out his podcast, Bout Business Podcast. Let's talk about the carpenter because the carpenter is always about business. Lou, you know this when Clay Guida gets inside that octagon, high energy guy here, a uh, sizable dog here, plus 160 against Leonardo Santos, uh, minus 190. And it's amazing. Again, we talk about age and you just always assume that Clay Guida is going to be the older guy in the fight. Not this time around. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, Santos is 41 and Guida turns uh, 40 the day after this fight. So <laughs> they're both older guys, but they they fight a little differently. Guida wants to use volume, pressure, unending cardio to smother you, overwhelm you, hopefully get on top position. Uh, Santos, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, is a deft striker. He wants distance and he wants to touch you up, but he's not a high volume guy. I happen to think that this is probably the most one-sided fight on the card for as much as Guida, we respect him and love him. I think he's going to get cut to ribbons in this fight by a guy that's too big, too strong, and can't get taken down. Wow, that is a fascinating handicap right there, Lou. Let's stay in the main card here. And the biggest favorite on that card is Brendan Allen, minus 365 against Chris Curtis. And I know just from, from our conversations here throughout other fight cards, you like to find the best value, obviously, possible out there. And I know you don't like to lay those big numbers. Is there another way or side that you might attack this fight? Uh, if I were to attack this fight, I would attack it Allen inside the distance or Allen via submission. Uh, I don't know if, if inside the distance is close to pick them or a plus. Surely Allen via submission is a plus price. That's how the fight's going to end. Allen inside the distance, probably by sub. Yeah, that is the biggest uh, biggest favorite for a reason here. Final minute with Lou Finicaro. And again, Mickey Gall is always a very intriguing name. Uh, you're kind of waiting for him to see if he can make a maturation process uh, in his division. Plus 190 here against Alex Morono here. Uh, what do you make of Mickey Gall with plus money here? Is there any? Is this a live dog at all in your eyes? Maybe, uh, Dave. Uh, Mickey Gall has been improving every fight, and where he's improving is his striking. Uh, Morono is a good striker, very well-rounded fighter, but Gall will have the advantage on the floor, in my opinion, and I think he can probably keep Morono at bay long enough to make this a close decision. You could try Gall via decision, or fight goes to the decision one that I like as just a slight favorite price. Love it. Always great insight from Woof and Carol. We are back here with Reed Kuhn next on First Strike on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7.
or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Back here on First Strike on Visa, and I'm your host, Dave Ross, as we break down everything UFC fight night between Rob Font and Jose Aldo. Should be a great fight card. It is a pleasure to be joined by Reed Kuhn right now. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Fightnomics. And uh, Reed, first of all, when you, you did, you had a week off. We all had a, a great Thanksgiving. I know you're back there in my home state of Virginia. W- was it weird not putting anything into your models and just having a nice, relaxing weekend? It was. I, I did have a nice break, but by the time Saturday comes around, I'm stuffed. I'm actually waiting for some action. So I'm ready to get back into it. And I got to be honest, normally I would have expected a light card this week. And it's actually surprisingly deep. We've got a loaded card next weekend, but this is actually going to be a big event for me. Yeah, absolutely right. We got a pay-per-view next weekend, but this weekend, you're right. It is a loaded card. So let's get right to it here. When you look at Rob Font against Jose Aldo, and again, it's always great to have our guys like Nick Kalikas and Jordan Sherwood uh, and Lou Finicaro. I am fascinated, though, by the models and, and what your models show for a guy like Aldo. Because, again, only one-year age difference here. Most people just assume, boy, he's got to be the much older guy. He's not. How do the models show this fight playing out? Yeah, I, first of all, these guys both show up very well on paper. So it's you know there's not a lot of holes to look at. So I try to look at what differentiates them. And honestly, Font... The difference here is his activity. And I'll I'll preface this by saying this guy uses a huge output, and Aldo has never been a pure output guy. He hits very hard, 
when he's engaged, but he doesn't necessarily lead the combinations or throw a ton of volume. Uh, Font, on the other hand, is that guy. He uses a lot of jabs, so he's really busy and he keeps high pressure. And that that is a very effective striking strategy if you can withstand those counters. And to date, he has not been his he has been damaged. Um, he has no knockdowns, so this will be an interesting test against a power striker because Aldo likes to use a higher mix of power, even if it's a lower pace. But with Font. Uh, I would have been a little concerned maybe that this is a five-round fight. Can he put on such a pace for five full rounds? But I go back to his last appearance versus Cody Garbrandt, who's also a hard hitter, and he actually picked up steam throughout the fight. Font got busier and busier into the fourth and fifth rounds. So when I look at it, I think, okay, the narrative here is maybe that Font is just going to outpoint him and win a decision and hopefully withstand those surges that Aldo is capable of putting on and hopefully also the leg kicks. Uh, and that appears to be how it's stacking up on paper. So the lean here is with Font. He is the favorite. I'm kind of surprised uh, that he is a clear favorite. And we haven't seen it move much because Aldo is a legend. But Font could be the next big thing in this division. And this is the perfect test for it. Absolutely. And again, when you look at it and you see how heavily juiced it is to the over here for four and a half rounds, people expecting this to go potentially the distance here. I think if you're, you're making that play, is that what you anticipate too? Is that what the models are showing too, that we, we would anticipate this probably being a decision fight? I think so. Yes. I, I think it's going to be a close decision, uh, but Font's going to edge out and maybe it's because of his cardio in the later rounds. I think Aldo is always going to be capable of putting in that surge that we've seen, but historically he has been grinded down a little bit. And I, and I think almost he's gotten better at that. Maybe with age, his cardio has gotten a little bit better, but I do see this going the distance because neither one of these guys has a glaring hole in terms of a weak chin or bad defense um, or really the, the threat of a submission here. I don't see that. I think if anything, it's going to be Font taking this to the ground. So not a lot of finishing potential elsewhere because both guys are durable. So I think they just duke it out. And again, plus 180 if you like Rob Font to win by decision. Let's talk about Brad Riddell against Rafael Fazeev here in this one. Riddell right now, small comeback price here, plus 105. What are the models showing that you see here, Reed? Yeah, both guys, again, show up strong on paper offensively. These, these are relatively new guys here, not a ton of data. Um, I was a little surprised. I know there's a lot of hype around Fizzy, and we've seen him do some amazing things, but Brad Riddell actually looks pretty strong on paper in terms of being the busier striker. One, one stat of note is that I tend to look at what is the mix of jabs versus power strikes in their standup. And normally the mix is around 50-50, you know, a one-to-one -one ratio. These guys are both, one of them is 82%, the other one is 93% in terms of using power strikes. These guys are swinging for the fences when they strike. That can be exhausting, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, if they don't get the finish and they go three rounds. But um, I'm also looking at the ground game, and the more eager wrestler here is going to be Riddell. Uh, he's slightly higher ranked. That's not really affected in the numbers here because um, I didn't really know much about him. And then when the models came out, I see a strong lean on Riddell. Uh, another example where I was surprised by the price, we're getting basically break even um, because there's more hype, I think, around Fizzy. So Riddell actually looks sharp on paper. He's, he's also a power striker. He puts on a better pace. Uh, and he's slightly more accurate. Both men are accurate, but he's slightly more so. And he's a more eager wrestler. So those are enough leans to take some plus money or even money. And again, you saw there juiced again in this three-round fight uh, heavily to the over here of two and a half. Is that what you see here? Or do you think there might be some finishing potential? 
You know, neither guy is really too damaged uh, that I see. You know, Fizzy has been knocked down once. Uh, Riddell, Riddell, not so much. Um, neither one of them has attempted a submission yet in, in the UFC. So uh, at least on paper, there's not a ton of finishing potential at lightweight. I do see two durable younger guys, or at least at peak guys. So yeah, I probably would take that lean. That's not a play I'm going to make. Um, if I'm making a play on a slight upset or even money pick, I'm going to be happy enough if he wins. Absolutely. So plus 105 there. But if you do like him by decision, that is plus 180 on Brad Riddell. Let's talk about Jimmy Crute against Jamal Hill here. And again, uh, you know, Crute he got a lot of steam behind him. At Hall, we saw what happened against Paul Craig. What are the models showing in this fight? Yeah, th this one seems to be very opinionated. And unlike the other two we just discussed, a lot more finishing potential. Jimmy, Jimmy Crute has not been to a decision in the UFC and he's only once been out of the first minute of a fight, uh, still a fight he finished. Lots of submissions on his resume, and Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Hill it has been susceptible to that. Now, I was one of those people that was screaming Paul Craig by submission last <laughs> time uh, and was robbed by the scorekeepers because they technically called it a TKO finish over Hill. Um, but regardless, I, I think Crute has advantages on the feet. Hill is going to be the very rangy, very mm -hmm. high-paced striker, and he's not going to want to be on the ground at all. He's never even attempted a takedown in his UFC career. Jimmy Crude is averaging over one takedown per minute while he stands. And by the way, when he does stand, he's also knocked three people down during that time. So uh, it doesn't take much. He's a very powerful dude. His nickname is The Brute. Um, not going to mess with that guy. <laughs> but I think it's the ground game here that is the biggest differential, and that's surprising. I don't think this is a light heavyweight rock'em, sock'em knockout fight. This could be a grappling fight, and Crute, I think, absolutely wins on the ground. Okay, so if it might be that type of grappling uh, fight that you, that you forecast here, Reed, might there be a little value here in the over? It's, it's at one and a half. You're even money, minus 110. Uh, what do you make of that, or do you think that still potentially somebody could get stopped early? No, I think there's still a lot of finishing potential, and submissions do tend to occur early rather than later because of the whole fatigue and sweat issue. Mm -hmm. um, but the more interesting prop I'm looking at is Crute inside the distance, because you're you're basically going from a pretty clear favorite to even or plus money on that prop. So I think Crute gets it done eventually, um, probably by submission, but wouldn't, don't be surprised if he gets a, a nice position and gets a TKO finish. Talking with Reed Kuhn here. Got a couple minutes left. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Fightnomics. Great analysis as always, especially with your models here, Reed. Let's look at Alex Morono against Mickey Gall. And again, Mickey Gall, more of a name in this division, but he is the big underdog in this fight. Is there potential here for an upset for Mickey Gall? I'm not seeing it in the numbers. Uh, I think there is a huge difference in strength of schedule here. And even dismissing that for a minute, the numbers, the pure numbers do like Morono. Um, he is more seasoned. He's more of a dual threat guy. He's experienced on the ground and on the feet. Gall has had success when he wrestles someone and gets the RNC, and that's kind of his MO. Uh, Morono can do it all over the place, but he's also earned those statistics against significantly stronger talent than Gall has. So I think you know when the numbers come out and they say the lean is Morono and he's a justifiable, you even be able to pay some juice for it, um, I, I think it's probably even more pronounced. 
Uh, so this is a situation where I look at the number and I think, yep, I feel good about that, and I might even play extra. Okay, and Reed, we talked about how deep this card is, and normally you've already given us four solid selections here. Is there another fight on this card that really stands out to you when you guys run the numbers and you say, boy, this looks like a really good value play? Yeah, the guys that are showing up strongly are Manel Cop or Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a new couple new guys at flyweight, so we're seeing some pretty strong potential there for Cape. Uh, also, Puelas, um, Claudio Puelas over Chris Grutzemacher. Uh, that one really looks like a striker grappler contest um, with significant advantages on the ground. So whenever you have someone who's never even attempted a takedown in their career, that's a huge red flag that says this guy is at risk whenever he's on the ground. And then on the flip side, you have someone in Puelas who's going for the submission. He's going to take this down. All right, great information, Reed. As always, want to thank Reed Kuhn, Lou Fidicaro, Jordan Sherwood, and Nick Kalikas for joining us right here in First Strike. Enjoy the fights, everybody. I'll see you next week right back here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 